Welcome to the DGR Podcast. I'm your host, David Gray. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Today's guest is Jamie Smith. Jamie is the owner of Melbourne Strength Culture, a strength and performance gym in Australia, in Melbourne, obviously. Today's episode got me really pumped. I really enjoyed talking to Jamie. I honestly had an absolute blast. He is a legend of a man. He's a brilliant coach. He's a he's a business owner. He talked about how he's going to build a business in Australia that is going to leave a legacy on the Australian strength and conditioning, not just a one or two year goal or here's a few clients that we're, we want to get, but he's talking about building something that will last and making a proper mark on the industry. And that got me seriously pumped. So he, he kind of dived into that for me. He talked about how he's going all in on his podcast and his con- content creation and building his team and building the gym and all of this stuff. It was so it was so good to listen to someone who's who's not afraid to go for it, who's not afraid to state their goals in a big way, but not in a egotistical way, just in a kind of a matter of fact way. This is what we're going to do. And the, the reason behind it is I want to have fun. I want to enjoy what I'm doing. I want to leave a mark and I think I can leave a mark with a with a team of brilliant coaches. So that was so cool. I learned a lot from the episode. Just even that energy of talking to someone like that really got me pumped up. And um, I hope you really like it. I, t- I honestly think you will really like it. He also invited us all over to Melbourne. So the whole world is going to go to Melbourne in. We're thinking about it now, no, November, December or January, because it's their summer there. We're going to teach a workshop there. So he said he'll fit in at least 800 people into the gym for the workshop. So put that in your calendar. But for now, enjoy the episode with Jamie Smith. Don't forget to give us a shout out if you like it. We both would appreciate it. If, as you'll hear with the content stuff, we try and work on that. So don't be afraid to give us a shout out. Make sure you click follow on Spotify and whatever the hell it is on Apple Podcasts. And uh, here's Jamie Smith. Input. Good mic. Oh, that's better. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome, man. I'm looking forward to the chat. We've we've chatted online, but not not face to face. Yeah, well, through the camera. Yeah, we've definitely had a few uh, some good DMs though. Definitely. Yes, sir. My first question is when um, this is related to a story you put up before. When are you going to get on the Australia's Rich list? Oh no, fucking man! Holy shit! So every year that comes up, I don't know uh, these algorithms, these social media ag- algorithms. They they know what interests me. And I, I do enjoy like finance and stuff. Like I enjoy it. That's probably why I enjoy business. I'm not afraid to say it. I, I, I like the process of earning money and making money and all that sort of stuff and spending and investing. And so these algorithms, man, they spit these top lists out and the Australian top, I think it was top 100 or top 50 millennials. I think everybody was under the age of 35 Yeah. of who... Who was making the most money? And all the, the typical ones at the top, like tech, tech. There was some crypto guys in there, which was interesting this year. And these guys have got billions, like, like 15 billion, 16 billion. And then it filters down and we get to like number 30 and it's Kayla Itsteens. I don't even know how to say her name. Itsteens, Itneys, it I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and uh, she's made, I think it was $300 million or something. And she's a, she's like a, just a fitness, a fitness girl. She's made an app and well, put it into it, perspective. Cause who is she ahead of? Oh, she was ahead of our high, three highest paid, paid uh, sportsmen. So she was ahead of 
our F1 driver, Daniel Ricciardo, mm-hmm. which was ahead of Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Bloody Thor. Thor, yeah. That's Thor. when I was like, she's ahead of fucking Thor. <laughs> she's ahead of Thor, like a A-grade actor in massive films, like some of the biggest films of all time, mm-hmm. like grossing films. Like surely they're on a wicket. Absolutely loving it. And she's ahead of all of them. Just And uh, the, who was the other one? Ben Simmons, who, who's got our highest contract ever as a sports star, like $100 million in three or four years over in the NBA, who's not playing at the moment. He's sort of cracked the shits. And I think for a good reason, but yeah, sidetrack. But yeah, man, I couldn't believe it. I was, I'm impressed. I, what, I'm what, does she, what does she sell? Everything. Oh, it's an app, man. Nah, so it started off as just like a little like Instagram workouts. And then she got like 15 million followers. And then on, in the process, obviously, there's a lot more to it. But then mm-hmm. she grew her social media to a, to one of the biggest fitness channels in the world and just successfully leveraged it and, and created this app. And then there must be thousands and probably millions on her app. And then she's got a few other little businesses and stuff. But it's just impressive. It's past the point of it's like, oh, fuck, fuck these influencers. Like they can do it. It's like, no, this is seriously just go. Like, yeah, crazy. Watching Maya learn, yeah, like learn from it and and see what you can do. But yeah, I couldn't, I could not believe it. I think yeah. it was 180 million. I think it was yeah. 180 million. I have it written down 164. Oh yeah, absurd man. And she's more, like but more than Thor. More than man. fucking Thor. Um, <laughs> but when I first realized, so maybe four or five years ago, not actually not even maybe just four years ago, I first realized I had a conversation with someone who's fairly fairly decent in in the fitness industry like decent following uh who you know as well and he told me we're just chatting about like the power of social media power of instagram and how some of these people are making a good a good bit of money and he told me about someone who was living in sydney actually who had a who owned an apartment in the eastern suburbs and was just was only like in her mid-20s or something like that and was selling like booty programs basically to girls and they owned they had bought their own apartment which was like a few million at least and were driving a lamborghini and a ferrari man it's absurd and that was the first time when i was like no way like i knew people were doing okay but then i was like no way Nah, it's and, and this is um and, and this is actually a really good because i saw you you I, I really i listened to your your social media podcast because ah. i've I follow, obviously, I enjoy social media from a business standpoint, and I actually enjoy just consuming it. I don't mind a, a scroll. I don't think it's pointless. I enjoy it. I see what other people are doing. But quite often, I objectively try to analyze what people I respect are doing. Mm-hmm. Yourself is definitely one of them in our space. Pat Davidson is another one. The Muscle Doc, uh, Jordan Shallow is another one. Uh, Luke Tulloch. And I see these accounts and I sort of observe, like, how are they talking? What are they doing? Well, like, sort of post frequency. What are they saying in their stories? Is it heavily curated and all of this sort of stuff? And I actually really enjoyed your post because, like, I just like learning the strategy of what other people are doing and, and how they're attacking it because it's something that we are starting to put a lot of time into and, and we really see the value of it. But, man, when you see these accounts that pop up and they go, like there's no doubt they're going to be, if you know how to leverage it and, and create a business from it or create value in some capacity, I'm sure you've felt it with your, your little programs and stuff like those. And now you've got like that, that sort of membership thing rolling as well. Like it's, it all just leverages off itself, but ultimately you need attention. Mm-hmm. And yeah, social media is, I don't really have much bad to say 
about it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really enjoy it. And I, I, I can respect people that put time in it and to grow it and, and then leverage it into something that is actually tangible in the real world. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's cool. Yeah, it's a big deal. So from studying those people and obviously doing your own research and stuff, what, what do you think are the biggest things then at the moment, the biggest, most important things when it comes to content creation, if you, if you do want to build that audience? Well, I suppose there's two parts of it is one is building the audience and secondly is actually leveraging it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually just like a little uh, explanation of our journey from the gym's perspective. We're in our fifth year now. Unfortunately, two of them were locked down. We're give in us a give us down. yeah. Give us a background on the on what the name of the gym uh, is and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So Melbourne Strength Culture is my facility. We have a YouTube channel, which is where most of our higher quality content goes. We also have just started a podcast up, which is actually doing really well at the moment. We're really excited for that. It's just called Melbourne Strength Culture. We're on Instagram, and we've just started TikTok of all things in the last week. I had my first one pop off yesterday, which went berserk. Uh, but yeah, we're just a gym in, in Melbourne, Australia, strength and performance gym, powerlifting, that sort of scene. Uh, and then for myself personally, from my own education streams and internships and, and just developing the business a couple years ago, at the start of 2020, I started a, a small online education business as well uh, called Strength Coach Development. And that's sort of what the last two years, it's kept me very occupied. Uh, but as the gyms now reopen, I've just put a lot more focus back into the gym again. But that's the crux of it. We've been around for about five and a half years into our sixth year. But as we're talking about this social media and the strategy of that sort of stuff, initially, I, I think the biggest thing, the biggest thing that we've learned is you've you've got to play the game of each individual platform. Like they all sort of had their own rules. The unfortunate thing is they don't tell you what the rules are. You're sort of just <laughs> you're sort of just at the mercy of. Oh, they've changed it on us. Crazy. You know those posts that were absolutely flying three months ago? Yeah, they're in the bottom now. They've got 35 likes after three hours. What the fuck happened? So, (laughs) and I'm sure anyone that's played with social media can probably feel it. Instagram seems to be the hardest one to crack for us. I don't know what's going on there, but Mm -hmm. that's probably the biggest thing is you've almost got to, you've got to play their games. Sometimes, like currently the the little reels are going far harder than anything else on Instagram. Shorter seems to work better for us. Less than 30 seconds, not too much education. People just seem to switch off and, and, and don't absorb it. More visual looking. We try to include a lot of humor in ours, in our sort of content. But that's probably the biggest thing is you just got to learn to play the game of each individual platform. For YouTube, success from us, we've found that being ourselves there more than anything, like just pure personality, like we're, we just, we're just an open book on there. It's really because it's longer format content, we've found that people that are consuming it for longer periods, they actually really enjoy that. And, and they're more likely to reach out to us on social media mm-hmm. or connect with us. And we actually feel a lot of the connection with, quote unquote, the audience from doing that. So there's always different strategies on the little things. I think if you're, you're probably leaving yourself short, if you're just using the same piece of content and just posting it everywhere, it doesn't mean like, like a, a good example would be like our podcast. We've made sure that we've upgraded our quality lighting and our, our microphones and our audio settings, and we've just bought a new camera so that we can then cut it down into other little things. But yeah, if we were just posted the podcast, a massive three-minute snippet and put it on Instagram, it wouldn't do anything. No one would watch it, and it just feels like you, you've got to play the games. And unfortunately, again, you don't, you don't get the rules. You just fumble your way through the rules. But that's, that's sort of what we've, 
yeah. been working the, through recently. The best way of learning that is is just by doing it, though, isn't it? Hundred percent, without a doubt. Unfortunately, I'm sure there are probably short courses on it, but mm-hmm. um, I enjoy just playing around, working it out, having a bit of fun. Yeah, um, not putting too much pressure on ourselves with it, and it's hard though. I know a lot of young coaches; they probably feel the pressure, almost like oh, what I put out there, like people can criticize and all of those sort of things. Just a, a small piece of advice and something that really helped me early days because I've been creating content since we started. A lot of the time, I'm we're just talking from our own experience. Like I, f- I feel like that's probably the crux. It's like this seems to work for me and my guys. <laughs> don't talk in absolutes. Don't really leave yourself on a hill to die on. Like. You can change your opinion as long as you're transparent with that and, and explain why you've changed it or why you've started to think a different way. Like I think it's not a bad thing to say that out in public. So mm-hmm. talk from your own experience and, and sort of be open to change and be open to some sort of feedback because you probably will get it. As soon as yeah. you start getting followers, you'll probably get a few DMs yeah. here and there. I, I would yeah. definitely agree with that. I think what I always say is I reserve the right to change my mind. And I have very strong opinions, very loosely held. And those are the those are the two things that when I post, like, actually, I don't even know do I have very strong opinions, Me- medium to strong opinions, but I, I can, I'm willing to change my mind quite quickly on things. And I think that's important. And the absolutes thing is definitely very important because you're, you're fucked as soon as you say something, you're fucked. Yeah. And, and you know what? The posting on social media and having those things in mind does help you get more clarity around your own thoughts i think because you have to kind of straw man or steel man or whatever way you want to look at it like your own argument before you write it as you're writing the caption and i'm like where will someone where can someone poke holes in what i'm saying here and then 100%. actually if there's if there is places they can poke holes it's for a reason probably and they're probably right to poke holes so i probably shouldn't say that yeah no 100 i can a hundred like completely agree with that sentiment and statement. But also what I found myself is when I was developing the curriculum for one of my courses, uh, it was actually for our our first in-person internship. We had five coaches that wanted to do it for their hours at uni. And I was building this curriculum out and it was like a complete introspective analysis of everything that we were doing, every process, why we do certain strategies here, when we change, when we implement this, that, and all that sort of stuff. And it yeah, I, I feel like any time where you, you begin to look into yourself and look into your processes, whether or not you're creating social media content or building something out to teach somebody, it doesn't have to be in social media, it could just be in person, maybe educating clients and all of that sort of stuff. I think that's probably where you're going to see the biggest gains in your own understanding of what you're actually doing. And, and having that introspection, I think, is, is massive. And it's another reason why I actually really enjoy social media. I think it's a, a huge net positive for the world uh, mm. and business and mm. our industry. Like yeah. we wouldn't be here if it weren't for social media. So yeah, I think so too. I think so too. As long as you're aware again of what is triggering you and one, either cutting that out, like don't consume it or two, understand why it's triggering you and should it actually be triggering you in the first place? Like I'm, I'm fairly cutthroat with who I follow. Actually, no, I followed a lot of people of, over the years, so I still have a ton of followers, but I just, if someone annoys me, I just hide them. Hide, like don't, don't yeah. see their content. And also, if someone comments on something on one of my stuff, like I'm, I'm well able to get into a, engage in a like discourse or something. I think that's important. But like, if it just annoys me, and I think if I put down my phone, and five or ten minutes later it's still nagging at me, I'm just like I might block these fuckers. 
you know, because it just, I know that that five, 10 or 10 minutes will turn into like two hours where it's just in the back of my mind, this stupid comment that someone made where they have no understanding, no expertise, no anything. So, so yeah, that's what I would say. Hide people, block them, unfollow them, but also be aware of why you're getting triggered and maybe you shouldn't be getting triggered by that stuff. Yeah. I feel like anytime there's a, and this is just life, something that I've learned. My girlfriend actually probably taught me this, but anytime there's a irrational sort of emotional response to something, like it's just like a big, hey, it's it's probably a moment to think, hey, why is that happening? Where, yeah. What's the mirror trying to tell me here? Like, why is this set of words really sent me in a spiral or something yeah. like that? Yeah. yeah. What's the goal then with the podcast at the moment? So Yeah, that, so the podcast. Are you, are you using that to drive... Well, you probably don't know, just like me, you're probably try, just trying to figure it out. But are you are you using that to drive people to the gym? Are you using that to maybe think about sponsorship in the future or or what? Yeah, a little bit of a little bit of everything. Obviously, uh, all content ultimately is we're trying to get more eyes on us so that hopefully the right people come into our network and then purchase something from us, mm-hmm. whether it's a seminar, an in-house seminar, something online or, or undertake coaching with us. We've actually just moved facilities and we did that in the middle of, where, where are we now? 2022, 2021, we, we, we moved uh, into a new facility, which has really opened up a lot of doors for us. But a lot of people were questioning like, oh, you've moved into like a, it's not, it's not that much bigger than where we were. It's a little bit bigger and it's decently bigger. It's, it's big enough for what we want. But a lot of our growth over the last three years, COVID accelerated it, but has been online. Online coaching is definitely where we have the crux of what we think our growth is going to be over the next sort of 12, 18, 24 months as we just continue to develop our brand. So that's preferably where we want people to be signing up now. The gym's pretty busy. It's busy enough. We're happy just to continue to grow online. So a lot of our content, we don't really mind if whoever's watching it, which is the good thing. We can be a little bit more open with it. We don't really, we're not confined to our our direct location. The podcast itself. So what what happened with that is we we started our YouTube channel and we hired a media guy to help us. He was a young guy. I wanted to develop him. He's, he's actually the brother of one of our coaches, younger brother of our, one of our coaches. And he just had a knack for, he had a, just a, a general knack for, for doing the content and creating the content. And he, he just worked really well with the group of coaches that we have. And it was just a really solid fit. So we started making these like training vlogs and they were very just fun shit talk proper shit talk like the lads training think about like when you were probably 15 to 20 at your peak dumb idiot stage and you're just training with your mates or at your footy club or whatever whatever sport you're playing it's literally that just on film with the four of us and they actually got heaps of traction early and heaps of like comments and responses and people were just loving that we'd sort of let our guard down a little bit we we weren't trying to be this like i say it like the hyper intelligent we weren't trying to label everything for like oh it's this this and this we're doing it was just like hey i enjoy this i'm doing it or Mm -hmm. i'm yeah whatever it was we just sort of we're more of ourselves and it it landed really well and and we would keep doing these vlogs vlog 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 and then we felt it was getting a little stale so we're like oh what other longer format content can we incorporate that and that's where the podcast sort of started we had a podcast a couple years back we actually did 90 episodes or 87 episodes and it was very coach driven and when I look back at some of those episodes, it was very much, we had coaches on and we spoke about coaching. And when we think about target market and target audience, yeah, a lot of lifters would be, that would enjoy that. But ultimately, we're probably not even talking to them. We're just talking to more coaches and more young students and all of those sort of things. Mm-hmm. So this one was a big flip. We 
really are just trying to attack the general population, increase our reach. And I can guarantee you it is, it is working for us. Um, we've done seven episodes. The downloads have far exceeded what we want. You spoke about sponsorship. We've already been offered one. Manscaped, which is all over the place, but they reached out. They came in straight away. They're like, man, we love it. We think your target audience will be great. So we're going to do a four-week trial with them and then get into some longer nice, stuff. Man. Well done. I'm pumped. Yeah, so, it's so cool. Yeah. No, no. Like it, it's, and then, uh, this is just, it changed for us about six months ago. We just, we decided we, we just want to be, we want to have more fun. That's ultimately what we want to do. I believe that the four coaches that I currently have, myself and three others, I don't coach a lot, but I truly believe that our team can leave an impact in Australia with, with the landscape of strength and conditioning, strength training, powerlifting, health, whatever the hell you want to call it. It doesn't matter what you label it as. Mm-hmm. We truly believe that we can leave an impact and actually create something that is strong and, and, and withstands not like five, six, seven, 10 years, like 20, 30 years. Like when I think of like a Mike Boyle, Eric Cressy, DeFranco, these sort of names, juggernaut, Renaissance periodization, these like conglomerates of like, these are fucking big business, big companies. Mm-hmm. I really do believe that we have the team and, and we just wanted to have more fun. We're like, uh, we're confident that we can get through and, and be more of ourselves. And if we cop a little slack, like people have messaged us, oh, we, we missed the old content, the education content. Like, where's it gone? It's like, yeah, well, we've sort of just, it wasn't fulfilling us anymore. Like we want to, we want to be ourselves. We want to have fun. And, and it's been a great response. We've seen yeah. the growth. We're, we're feeling it. We're feeling yeah. it now. So when, so when I put up a, I put up a story the other day, just saying like, what, tell me your thoughts on the podcast so far. Like what guests would you like to see? What content did you like or didn't like blah, 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 blah. And it was just loads of different comments. One person said, um, less business talk, more biomechanics, which was fine. Like, but I was just, in my mind, I was just like, I'm just going to talk about what the hell I want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. And if you want to listen to that episode, you can listen. If you don't, you just don't listen. And like, that's, that's the not, crux. yeah, that is. And, and I've had so much clarity on this recently, probably in the last three months, maybe even less where it was always like, who's your like marketing business coaches? Like who's your ideal consult- customer? Like, and I've even spoken about that in the past to people. And it's like, like define the exact person. What age are they? What do they look like? How do they speak all these things? And now I'm like, my target audience is anyone who loves what I do. And I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want to do, do it really well. And the people who love that, they are my target audience. That's it. You, you'll, find, you'll find the group. And especially if you're, if you're authentic to yourself and it's not a facade in any way, and I know it's not with you, but if, yeah, if you're authentic and you just, like people can see it, people can connect with it, they, they, they engage with it better, they feel, they drop their own guard and all of a sudden they're having a little bit more fun and all of that sort of stuff. Like I just... I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's the right way to go about it. Not to say that you can't be like these really well-versed biomechanical brains and all that sort of stuff. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's sort of your wheelhouse from a business perspective, but mm-hmm. not all of your content has to marry and line up with that. Yeah. Um, but someone yeah, who like, wants to learn, like, especially I, I'm, I'm moving more, we're actually going in opposite directions. You're moving more towards gen pop and I'm moving more towards like coaches and therapists who want to learn about movement. And that's why I think your podcast before was that was when you were in we were in the strength coach development mode, and that's why yeah, you were exactly. your it was probably was. just before, and I probably got a lot of those, that audience, and that's what saw the growth for that when exactly. I did it exactly. Yeah. So 
I have a few questions there, but that's um shit. What was I even saying there? The, uh, you're moving in the you're moving in the coaches. Yeah, I, I'm direction. moving in that yeah. direction. But like for the coaches and therapists, anyone who wants to learn about the biomechanics stuff, you're not going to have a successful business if you don't know how to talk to people, if you don't know how to communicate, if you can't create content. Well, you don't have to create content, but like someone who does create content and knows that stuff is going to be more successful than you. There's mm-hmm. there's literally no doubt about that. So it's um so yeah i'm just gonna like i I, my presumption my no it's not necessarily but my thought processes at the moment is if i'm interested in talking about something there'll be people out there who want to who want to learn about that as well you know i understand i i agree without without a doubt i've got a question for you who do you look at from a content perspective and observe maybe more objectively or or like who are you getting inspiration from or are you Mm -hmm. yeah Good question. I don't. I don't know. I'd have to have a think about that. I think I'd probably look at everything, ev- everyone, in, everyone like that, every single person, because I don't. I don't love consuming content as much as you do. I do really like podcasts. I love. I actually love podcasts. I love good. There's nothing better for me than going for a walk and listening to a podcast. Instagram feels like work when I'm on it, and I just want to like work on my page if I'm on it. Um, and I don't spend too much scro- time scrolling. I did notice you with the uh, with the reels and stuff, or the little clips uh, and changing whatever it is, changing camera angle and stuff like that. Like I really, yeah. I really like that. We're not there yet because, like, even this, even this podcast now is being recorded. Like I'm on my, I'm on my Mac here. You're on your computer. I'll just upload this onto YouTube as well. But like, really. I should have a better camera there to, to take it. I should have you getting a better setup or something like that. Now it's different for you. You're in Australia and it's nighttime and stuff, but like that's where we need to take our, you. If, if this is going to work on YouTube, that's where we need to take it forward. I look, I'm starting to look at like content creators, like Mr. Beast and stuff like that. Did you yeah, watch any him. of his stuff? Yeah. I love him. I, I, I assume not his videos. His videos to me, they're just like, it's the same thing every time. He's going to have yeah. a whole bunch of fucking money. He's, man, he made seven, talking about people making money, a 23-year-old on YouTube made $75 million last year. $75 million. Mr. Beast. taught himself. Yeah. Yeah. But he, taught himself. he spent it all back on videos. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And that's, and that's, and it actually gives me, like, I, again, like, I, I, I really enjoy the business side of things and the finance side of things. But I'm not, I used to be afraid to reinvest. But I'm not anymore. Like no. I'm literally now. Like if we want to do this podcast thing, like yeah, we've done 85 episodes or whatever it was last time. We've had our warm up. Like now, if we're going to do it again, we're doing it properly. I'm going to go and spend a, a lot of money. We did the whole room. We put floorboards on the walls. We got neon signs, like full couch setup and everything. Like if it's like if if we're going to do this properly and we want it to pop off the way we want it to pop off, we have to reinvest into it and we actually have to to take it seriously and and all of that sort of stuff so mr beast 100 he's given me more confidence to just go like fuck it if you believe yeah. in it and and you're you honestly think that you can change and make a change and actually take steps forward and continue to grow and, and progress with your content and with your message and with your audience and all of that just dump money back in like it needs to happen like yeah i can't sing his praises enough yeah yeah, I so yeah. I've learned a bit from him. I haven't watched that much stuff because I don't enjoy the videos that much. Because again, I'm analyzing them. Um, but like his, he said, "Did you listen to that?" Po- I sent it out. My you might not even be on my newsletter, but I did send out a uh, people should. People should. There was an episode he did with two guys. I'll find it for you. I'll put it in the show notes. I'll listen to well. it. 
I've listened to it. It's like a yellow, it's a yellow uh, emblem. Uh, Samir and someone. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Where he was like, I'm they gonna... kept asking him, what's your goal, blah, 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 or all this stuff. And he was like, make, make the best content, content possible. Every time. And I was like, fucking that got me so pumped. <laughs> so the media, the young media guy we've got, his name's Donnie. He's a weapon. Booz Creative on Instagram, B-O-U-Z Creative. I, I feel like he's breathed life into me in the last probably 12 months because he just wants to learn and everything. And he's last, literally last night we were chatting. I just got our new camera in. I was taking a photo of it. And I'm like stage two starts now, like amping each other up. And he's like, he's like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. I don't think I want to be a videographer for my career choice. He's only young. He's like 21. And, and he's, I'm like, oh, what do you want to do? And he's like, I think I want to try to get to a point where I have other people working under me and I'm, I've got a little bit of a business rolling. And I'm like, all right, well, how does that start? And he was like, oh, well, I don't know. Maybe I need to learn business skills. I'm like, nah, man, it starts with making better content. <laughs> like that was the crux of it. It's like, make better videos, buy a better camera so you can make better videos. More people hear about you and learn, learn about you. And then maybe you get another job and then more jobs and more jobs and more, make better content. Mm-hmm. Like that's the crux. Everything you want, make better content. Mr. Beast, man. Unbelievable. Weapon. Yeah. And then, and then teach people. His, your, your, your guy, his, his next job then is teach people how to make better content. To make better content. That's the <laughs> crux of it. If, if your views aren't where you want them to be, it's because your content sucks. Like that's the crux of it. It doesn't matter how big your audience is or anything like that. If you've got 50 people following you and you get two likes, the way you're going to get to three likes is to make better content. The way you're going to get to 50 likes is to make better content. The way you're going to get to 100 likes, make better content. Mm-hmm. And all the, obviously, it's, it's simple to say that, but there's so many ways in which you need to begin to analyze and, and look that introspective discussion that we had at the start. Like, yeah, this, this is why I really, I really enjoy. And this is actually my job now. Like, I don't, my coaching load has, since COVID, I sort of use that as an opportunity to step away from it a little bit more. But as I said, like, I believe that our business and our, our team can make the impact that we know we want to make. And I couldn't do it coaching 30 hours a week online and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So I've really stepped back from that. Yeah. So we can develop these other things, move the gym, make a better gym, start to develop a little bit more revenue streams for the business. I did the online education, which really supported our move. And now a lot of my focus is just trying to build our audience, build our growth and see that, that next stuff. So I really enjoy That's why... As you can tell, I'm fired up at 8:30 p.m. over here. <laughs> what um, do you think you'll go back to the the coaches development side of Never. things? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is actually a bit of an identity shift for myself. So uh, I, I I was a personal trainer and a strength coach. I'd say for nine years. I, I wouldn't call myself that anymore. I'd probably just call myself a, a gym owner, business owner now, more so. Mm-hmm. But for nine years, like I was, that's all I did. I interned, I studied, I did an undergrad, I did internships, I did continued education. I did everything to, to sharpen my skill set as a coach. I flew overseas and I, I interned over in America for six months. Like I put a lot of effort into becoming a coach. I built my, my gym and, and our, our initial growth pretty much as we're good coaches. We can offer something different that Australia is maybe a little bit lacking because we, we weren't really progressive like some of the other countries that, or at least I view, like America particularly, with some of the ways in which they build gyms and stuff like that and, and systems, coaching systems. So I found a lot of success from there. And then about seven or eight years, this is probably two to three years ago, I just, I started hating it. I just literally, I was just like, Mondays and Tuesdays, which were my big coaching load days, 
I was like sad, literally sad through it. I was, I would say like seasonally depressed. Like I was not happy doing that job anymore. And it was a bit of a shift for me to then be like, all right, well, where can I pivot? The business was growing, thankfully, and I had other coaches to develop so I could sort of build them up and put a little bit of focus on them. But I'm like, I can't continue to move in this direction. It's not what I, I don't enjoy it as much as it's not fulfilling anymore. And then I thought, oh, this internship's rolling. And then COVID hit, bam, gym shut, proper shut for 18 months. We were fucking Melbourne sucked. Wow. Um, And then I was like, I'm going to, I think I can make this internship into the online education. And that's where I thought, this is it. This is my pivot. I'm going to be able to do that. And I don't know if I burnt myself out in 18 months. I went hard over the lockdowns. I had two, uh, three big group programs go. I had four smaller ones, two business ones, and two like entry-level movement biomechanics ones. And that was in an 18-month period. The big ones were 12 weeks. The small ones were four weeks. And I was just, I think I fried myself. And I came out of it, the gym reopened, and I was like, yeah, I made all this money, but was it actually something that gave me, (laughs) again, was I fulfilled? And I thought that was going to be my out. That's my pivot from coaching to then educating. And I can sort of continue to develop myself and my personal brand through this education route. And then that's where the conversation, oh, now our content's changing to a bit more fun. We just want to have fun. Maybe it's me and my bias. I just want to have more fun. But that's sort of where we're at now. Will I go back to the education stuff? Long way around to the question. I think I will. I think I'm going to change the way in which I approach it though. My roommate uh, last year actually did Pat Davidson's mentorship. He's only just recently reopened his, his current one. And I was like third party watching Pat take this mentorship. And it was savage. If anyone, like Pat Davidson, yeah, he, he speaks from, like he, he says what he wants to say. He's not afraid to rub people up the wrong way. Like it's just, I'm Pat, this is what I'm doing. You can listen or you can fuck off. Like that's ultimately the style of content that he makes. <laughs> and he's not afraid to, but that's what his internship was. It was like, this is my system. The next eight weeks, you're going to teach me your system and we're going to battle our systems together. Like we're just going to try and find holes in each other's systems. Where are your principles wrong? Where are my principles wrong? How can we develop this process? And I, I, view, I was like watching this from a third party perspective. I'm like, that is actually like a really, shout out John Sheridan, because he gave me sort of the lens to view this with. I thought that is actually what a mentorship should be in my eyes. It's not, hey, here's my system and this is why. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, hang on you're not coming to me to be mentored, to learn my system. You're coming to me to, to learn and develop yourself and, and to learn your own skill set and to learn how it can apply to you and your situation and your context, where I feel like with my CDP is what it was called. It was literally just like, hey, here's Melbourne strength culture and the strength culture strategy or the Jamie Smith strategy. And you're going to learn my strategy. And when you leave, if you can't implement my strategy, bad luck. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I, I've, I just didn't enjoy it as much as I wanted to. So I think I want to take a bit more, not that I'll be savage like Pat. I'm just not like that. I couldn't probably do what he does on Instagram. It's impressive because he just gets engagement, but also I just, I'm just not built that way. But I think a little bit more of that approach where it's like, hang on, what are you guys bringing in to where you're at and how, and how can we develop and utilize some of my stuff? But ultimately we're trying to improve your strategy, your mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. So I think. I think that's sort of the direction that I'm probably going to take with it. That's hard. So. Yeah. That's what I've been battling with for the last 12 months. People have 
two years probably people have been asking me about like uh mentorship uh, teaching a course oh, you'd be getting it non-stop <laughs> non-stop and i've seen people who have bought my programs and stuff and actually start to teach that stuff in their own in their own mentorships now not not i don't mean this in in, in a, any bad way or anything like that like there is and a lot of it isn't my stuff in the first place but they came from actually here's a better here's a better example i've seen people who have been mentored by i've mentored them one-to-one and they were like i've no clients i don't understand anything or any of this stuff and then we teach them over three months and then i've seen them start their own mentorship before i've done it but the thing the thing is a, a mentorship is like i need a mentor to be able to give me a kick up the ass when i need it i need them to, to point me in the right direction i need them to know who i am if i walk down the street and if i'm if they can't do those things, I would I wouldn't call them a mentor. Now, when I look back at mentorships that I've done, I wouldn't call them mentorships because I wouldn't call the person who's 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 given the mentorship a mentor to me at all. I would call them a course, and so I, I think a course is easier to scale, but then a mentorship is is different, right? No, hundred percent, and that's probably what I felt. The way I would describe how I left my because they were all on Zoom because we were in lockdown, and I had. Like, I, I feel like I did really well. My first one, I had 44 students come in. My second one, I had 39 come in. Like, I, I feel like I, I did really well in that space. And we were running seminars and all that sort of stuff. But I left those Zoom sessions and I felt like a university lecturer. And everything that I've ever done to build my gym and my initial, my initial uh, sort of direction when we first started the gym was, I want to create something that isn't in Australia. I want to create this hub that students can come to that uh, it doesn't matter if you're a beginner or an advanced lifter, you can get a good sound structured program, coaching, there's community, there's all of this sort of stuff. But when I created this online thing, and it, it might've just been because it was COVID and my, my emotional state probably wasn't in the most creative place, but I just entered, it was almost just like an equation. It was just like, I rock up, I talk on my slides and then I, I finish. And exactly what you've just described there as a class, that's what it was. And it's, I don't think for me personally, I don't think that's a good fit for me, but I can definitely see how someone with you and your following, you couldn't probably do it the other strategy. You'd have to be a little bit more like, yeah, or maybe tough. not. I don't know. You it's might be tough. able to find a. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's, that's what I've been. That's basically, that's why I haven't done it yet. Cause, which is also a stupid thing because like, if you did it, then you'd figure out what worked and then you just <laughs> make it better. Right. So, so that's a bit stupid, but like, I also want to be very confident with what I'm teaching and I am very confident what I say and, and, and how I do things and how we get results. But like, I want to be very, very confident. Like this is, I'm really sure about this. And I, I don't want to be like, there is people out there teaching it who learn, who learned an exercise or learned a, a full principle and a, and a concept yesterday on a course and taught it on their own course today. Like mm. I do not want to be that person. So yeah, it's it's very it's very tricky. It's very tricky. Maybe you can have both. Maybe you can have the course like as the entry level material. You should understand this a little bit, and then the mentorship is the level up from that, where it's like now you have to pay more money and you get more in smaller group, and we actually talk. Maybe there's like the the ticket, the entry ticket is actually having some understanding about this type of information. Yeah, well, I, I think the beauty about uh working for yourself and building your own thing. You can do it however the fuck you want, which is mm -hmm. fantastic. And mm -hmm. I feel like the, 
See, I, I went the other route. I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to do it. Granted, my gym did close and I didn't have any way to, to make revenue at the time. And I had done three years of education in person. So I feel like I didn't rush into it, but I feel like, I feel like, yeah, I did something that wasn't aligned with what I actually wanted, whether it was out of necessity or whatever. But right now, and I'm sure if you speak, and I know if you speak to a lot of the students that went through those courses, I get plenty of messages all the time. Hey, man, like that changed everything for me. It's been so much better. So I don't, I don't feel bad for it at all. It's just sort of something that I've reflected on and I'm like, oh, maybe I think I need to change that strategy so that mm-hmm. I feel like people get more out of it or whatever. So that's my experience with it. I feel like, I feel like you'll succeed with however you go. We see. I feel like you got the knack. We see. Eventually. I'm thinking big though. I'm thinking bigger now. Like you were saying earlier, like you want to be, like I could see you guys being kind of the Joe DeFranco type of gym of, of Melbourne. Now, not necessarily like the training doesn't have to be the same, but like people in Ireland have traveled to Dinny. Actually, one of my clients like traveled 10 years ago or something over to just to train with Joe DeFranco. Like, yeah, how well, cool is that? I, well, I, uh, I interned under Eric Cressy and I've always wanted to have uh, somebody travel for our internship. We actually had a guy move to Melbourne for it, but then COVID hit and shit at the fan. The mentor, the internship got so you got can't slapped, claim that. Jeff. Slashed. I can't claim that one. We had him for two weeks and then yeah. he went back. Yeah. So it is it is a goal for me. Like and I as again, I I confidently feel we can do it. Give us another five, 10 years, and I feel like the team we have, yeah, I'm that confident in it. I, I have no doubt that we could mm-hmm. really make some waves and I love you, man. I love how you think big about things. Well, I love how you think think about things firstly, and I love how you think big about things. I was just talking to my dad yesterday. I was like talking about our membership site. It was like, it's not as good as it needs to be. And it's only launched recently and I was going to make it better and better. But we've like 200 members in there and then probably another 50 or so people who have signed up for a year, like they're not a, a subscriber, they're signed up for the full year. I was like, is there any reason why I couldn't have 10,000 members in there. And he was like, Taylor, it stains. Yeah, exactly. No, go bigger. Fuck 10,000, 100. <laughs> yeah, but what's the reason? Like when you, when you, you know, people might be thinking, oh, you're not going to, how did Joe DeFranco become Joe DeFranco or Cressy become Cressy? I'll tell you, they made better content. That's the crux of it. Man. They just, <laughs> Mr. Beast. <laughs> you just make better content. Like it's literally that. You build better relationships. You have a better service. You 100%, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100%. I, I need to clarify this though on the content because people will be listening to this saying, like, I just need to become a, a coach. I just need to become a TikToker. Like, there is no marketing strategy that will, that can outperform a poor product. So, like, your content has to be good, yeah, but your product has to be good, right? Yeah, but replace build better content with have a better service. Service, like, yeah. That's, yeah, that's how it's the same. It's just whatever lens you're going to be looking through. Yeah, what just you do everything better. Of, yeah, literally just replace the, is it verb, adjective, the doing know. word. Replace the doing word, whatever the doing word is, with whatever you're at the stage of. Yes, I 100% agree. Don't, don't blind yourself to becoming a better coach by trying to become Instagram famous or whatever it is, TikTok famous. That's, that's not the answer. And, and that's not what we're saying uh, if you are listening to this. And if you are a young coach, if you are a young coach, be a better coach. <laughs> yeah. It's be, it, but, but that's what it's be a better coach. And then 
I feel like in my, that's what people ask me like about, oh, how do you keep making content? And my content is not like very much curated or well-produced or anything. I just bang up the video or else I just put up a clip of a call with a client. But like, I have, I feel like my, my brain is so full of shit that I've learned, <clears throat> excuse me, for 10 years that like, I could just take all the stuff I know about the foot. Like I could just talk about one bone in the foot and talk about 50 different things about that bone. And then the better making the better content is finding ways to make it more interesting how I explain it and like the video looks better and the caption is done in the right way and all these little things the video is the right length I you know million different things um but like it does start with actually understanding what you're talking about in the first place 100% yeah yeah we we we're on the same page you and I we're on the same I think I've said 100% I I <laughs> about <laughs> 500 times already talk to me about your like pro- professional development so your learning over the years then you've kind of we've kind of touched on it there in terms of like the t- the style of content that you'd like to make and probably that's the style of content you'd like to consume if you were going forward with anything as well where where have you netted out on the internship stuff that you've done the content that you've learned about the breathing and the gait cycle and all of this stuff and how it is, how it applies to, I suppose, your coaching. I know you're not doing as much coaching, but the coaching in your gym and your systems. Yeah. Our systems at at the culture. Yeah. So I, I started personal training quite young. I was uh, freshly 18 pretty much. And I just did the typical route. I did my certificates. I don't know what you guys have got over there, but I just did my certificates so I could start coaching. I started coaching early on. Um, and then I was like, oh, I think I want to learn some more intricate details. And I went to university, did my undergrad of exercise science. And I learned a whole bunch of things that at the time didn't really matter. Like in the crux of what I was doing, I was really just helping gen pop. I think a psychology degree would have been better for me as most of us probably have experienced at some point in our career development. So I, I, I completed this undergrad and I actually started to do internships through the undergrad as a result of the course curriculum, but I just enjoyed them. So I did a couple uh, sports specific ones. Uh, so like strength and conditioning at a private facility. Uh, and then I also worked at a semi-professional level and then a, a professional level for a very small time, just through internships and, and different positions through their little structures. Uh, that was probably for about two years. And then I was sort of finished my degree and I was like, oh, how am I going to learn more? What, what's, what's my step? And I think a lot of people fall in this and a lot of young coaches is this idea that you have to work professionally. That's sort of like the only step that you can really take from a strength and conditioning. And at least within our industry in Australia, it wasn't as developed as it is now. These private facilities just weren't really around where you could develop your skill set or start to build a, a, your own business and your own brand uh, alongside building a career. So I was sort of stuck. I was like, oh, I look at these American places and I'm like, how did like Cressy, DeFranco, Boyle, Mike Robertson, and, and all of those names were the guys that I was consuming at the time. At the time, it was a lot of blog content and a little bit of YouTube, but a lot of blog content, lots of written word, like a still frame and like explaining a box jump or whatever. And I was like, why is there no one like this in Australia? Christian Woodford was here. I don't know if you know him, but mm-hmm. he's pretty vocal and, and a lot of people do. But he was like, hey, man, I went to... Uh, he did a college over in America and I was like, all right, well, what should I do? And he's like, why don't you go private industry? So I, I landed at Eric Cressy's um, and I did a, a five month internship there. And that was sort of where, if I think about like my first chapter of developing my career, the, the Eric Cressy, it's this small window in what 
became who I was at the time. And I, I say I was in an oven of development. It was like five days a week on the gym floor, learning from the coaches, internships, uh, sorry, in services, like practicing skill sets, working on queuing and all of these new things like Nick Winkleman. I don't know if you, if you know him, I was exposed mm-hmm. to him and, and like the language. Yeah. Yeah. He is. He's working with the Ireland rugby team. I think. Mm-hmm. Like his, his whole idea about like vocabulary and your language and the way in which you present an idea will completely change the way the mm-hmm. outcome. So learning all of those things through the Cressy internship. And then all of a sudden, uh, Miguel, who was the first person, he introduced me to PRI and I did one of their online ones. And, I, and then I started to learn that. And at the end of my internship, I was like, I want to learn more about this breathing and walking sort of whole hoo-ha. How can I learn more of this? And Eric was like, we can help you anywhere in America, wherever you want to go. We normally try to help people get further internships or jobs. We can't help you. You're an Australian kid. What do you want to do? And I was like, I want to go to Mike Robertson's and Bill Hartman's gym. So he was like, all right, made the call. Mike, I've got a young kid coming over. Can you help him out? And I got there and they rolled the red carpet out for me. It was incredible. I had barbecues with them. They took me out for dinner. I sat in all their in-services with their interns. I was there for 10 days. I was training on the gym floor. Lance Goik, I don't know if you know who he is, but um, he used to be, yeah, he used to be sort of Bill's like little, like I would say like a right-hand man of IFAST. I don't think he's there anymore. I think he went to do further study like PhD and stuff. He's got his own personal website, but he assessed me and taught me all of these things and how I can move a rib cage. And all of a sudden my arms got 30 or 40 more degrees range of motion changed the way I could squat and everything. It was crazy in there. It was like a, I was in a fantasy factory. I was like, this is cool. And Bill helped me out heaps. And, and then I was like, oh, that's, I think that's the future. And this was in 2016. And I was like, that's, I think this is the direction that this industry is going to go. So I came home, PRI came over and I did two PRI courses. And I would say that that period of the six months of all of that, completely set up my lens that I view a lot of what we do now through my understanding. And I've been pretty vocal and this is just something that I have changed my mind on. I don't really like the direction it's gone now. I think it's gone a little too deep, a little too in the weeds. Is this actually applicable for the general trainer? That is, yeah, we can, we can circle jerk and learn all these things, but does it actually change anything on the outcome for our clients? Like, I, don't, I think we're past that point now with a lot of this expansion compression stuff and I'm not bashing whoever enjoys that sort of stuff. For me, I feel like the concept, cool in my head, but trying to explain it to a client most of the time, it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Our clientele is just like, they don't care. They just want to get stronger. So mm-hmm. a lot of my evolution in the last couple of years has been, all right, well, how can we still use this lens that I've learned, the PRI, the breathing, this relative motion, all of this sort of stuff, how can I use that and, and try to adapt that into what has utility for our clients, which are really just guys that want to train hard, want to trade heavy, want to, want to grow, want to be stronger and all that sort of stuff. So that's sort of the evolution of our systems. Um, but without a doubt, that, that crux, PRI, Robertson, Hartman, Cressy, that little period of my time definitely gave me the biggest lens, yeah. There's a... There's a few things there. One is I have, I'm very, very, very strong on the idea of accelerated learning. I think someone can like accelerate their learning and de- development by a decade, like by 10 years in six months, if they, if they're exposed to the right people. And it sounds like you probably were then. 
I, I left there without any idea of what I wanted to do. I, sorry, I left Australia before I went over there. And by the time I came back, I opened the gym within four weeks. Mm-hmm. I literally just went, fuck it. This is it. Mm-hmm. What I felt, what I felt in Cressy, I wanted to create here. And that's why it, it, would, it would mean the world to me if somebody traveled to come and learn from us for 10 weeks. I'd be like, hey, we're getting lunch. We're going to dinner. Come on. We're doing everything. Like, yeah, the, the local interns, 100%. But if someone was to drop everything, and walk in that door and be like, I'm here for 10 weeks. What are we doing? All right. This is a, this is a plea. So, so someone on this, someone listening to this podcast needs to go to Jamie in Melbourne. You'll have a great I might, time. I might go myself. You put, you, yeah. you, you pay for the flight. I'll come. If you ever, if you ever want to do a seminar in Australia, please do it at our gym. Please yeah, do it at the gym. Yeah, man. Definitely. Please. I was in Melbourne. I taught in Melbourne a few years ago. And, yeah. You um, messaged me. Mm-hmm. We were going to tee up. We were going to tee up. You, you, oh, yeah. we definitely were. We, we yeah. You were I'll, in Melbourne. I'll come. I'll come next year. I'll come. I'll come to Melbourne, November, December, or January when it's winter in Ireland. Lock it in. <laughs> Lock done. it in. It's done. Yeah, I think. I think you're right. I think I enjoy learning about the compression and expansion stuff. But then I think when people ho- hopefully they see me talking about stuff like it's it's super simple, super boiled down. But I do think it's important. Not necessarily like in a ton of detail, but it does frustrate me. Both ends of the spectrum, honestly, frustrate me. There's there's coaches shitting on that stuff who could not describe in any anatomical detail what's going on in a squat. Like not even, they they couldn't even say this is hip flexion. It's like, yes, sagittal. Just explain it sagittally, what's happening, yeah. They couldn't. And and so that's, that's ridiculous, like. And I also get frustrated with the idea that if you understand maybe that the movement of the femur and the acetabulum, you understand like, okay, here's what I think the sacrum might or might be doing or might not be doing. Maybe there's no movement. I don't know. But for example, that if you understand that stuff, then that means automatically you're this biomechanics nerd who has to just blurt it out to your client and tell them about it as well when they're doing a squat. It's like, no, the more... The more I get, more complex my understanding gets, complex is a bad word, the more simple I coach it. And the more clear yeah. I am with my program that I write for someone or what I need them to do, I have to throw so much less shit at the wall to actually get the result that I want from them. You know? Yeah, I think I, I said the name before, but if anyone doesn't know who Nick Winkleman is, he brought a textbook out. I'll be honest, I haven't read the textbook. I I, have it there's a video. You have it? I have there's a video. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. I'm going to Google it right now. Uh, Nick Winkleman. I think it's his number one. Language uh, of coaching, I think, is it or something? Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's only, it's relatively new. The way in which obviously he's, he's a PhD in it, it, it's all motor control. At the end of the day, that's what it, it's skill acquisition motor control is sort of his wheelhouse and how mm-hmm. you can get your athlete to actually execute on that. And a lot of it just comes down to language. It's the words that you use that land in that person's head and actually has an impact for them to then go and create the change in the outcome that you want. A lot of it's like, we can talk like internal versus external cueing and all those sort of things. But the crux of it is if, if you're just spurting shit to the client after the third word, they've forgotten the first word and it just moves, moves, moves. And then at the end of this, at the end of the cue, you've, Oh, did you get that? And they're like, yeah, yeah. Um, crazy. What, what do I do with it? Like they've got no idea. Or you're throwing in that, like, I need 30 degrees of hip flexion. It's like the client yeah. has no idea what you're talking about. Not a yeah. single. Yeah. So 
Nick Winkleman is a great place to start in learning how you can better deliver your coaching site. Google, uh, YouTube, sorry, What We Say Matters, Uncovering the Truth About Queuing. Nick Winkleman, crazy video. Okay, I need to watch that as well. One other thing I should say about that, that's why in my, in my, I have saved a lot of videos that I've done with online clients where I'm coaching them through an exercise and in the, like in the mentorship type of thing, I'm just going to put them all up for people to watch. So if I'm talking about a concept, teaching you about a concept, then you can watch a 20 minute video of me coaching someone through, Hey, here's how we clean up there, whatever. And it's like completely me just putting it out there where it's like, this isn't perfect. This is online. This is me trying to figure out the right word or this person doesn't know what I'm saying, but you can, you can go and watch that fucking thing and be, and be like, okay, why, why did like, did, what, what worked there? What didn't work? Like I'll put up things that didn't work as well, you know? So I think that's, that's cool because what you don't get online a lot of the time is like Cressy or Winkleman, like the way they, the way that where they stand in front of a client, the way they put their hand on someone, the word they use, and they probably, a lot of the time, they don't even know they're doing it. It's just like they know how to connect with someone. Yeah. You know? It's massive. I can tell you that Cressy thinks about it. We used to have yeah. to, the, yeah, the way in which we would greet people. When we coach, you have to coach at the level of the client. So if the client's in half kneeling, you coach at half kneeling. If the client's on the ground, you coach on the ground. If the client's standing, you coach stand. Like all of that is part of what they do over there. So it's, it's definitely a thought process. That mm-hmm. they've that they've had and and that 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 shined in or that that rubbed off on us and, and some of our strategies and mm-hmm. some of the ways in which we build our systems. But, That's funny. I had a yeah. client in two days ago and um they were quite they were like a chronic pain person and they were a little bit nervous and I asked them to sit down and they didn't want to sit down. And these are the type of people I would get sometimes. And so what I did is I we were out in the gym actually, didn't even bring them into the clinic yet. And um, I asked them to sit down on the table. I had it out there and they, they just stayed standing and they were a bit fidgety. And I sat down underneath. I sat down on the bench. We had a little bench and they were standing up above me and they, they relaxed so much when they were like looking down on me. It was this whatever, whatever it was. But at, during the conversation, I was thinking about that. And it was like that made such a big change to how they felt in this situation because I was already taller than them. I was kind of standing, looking down on them even a little bit. So. That's cool. It all makes an impact. Like, and this is the BPS model in a conversation, but every little piece of input that they are getting, whether your language, your your position, your stance, your 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 tone, the words you emphasize, the part of the word you emphasize, the jargon you use, all of that is changing the way they perceive what is about to happen from mm-hmm. any output, whether or not it's a squat or a, a rehab setting or anything. You can completely shift the outcome 180 degrees simply by changing your language or changing your tone or changing your position or your stance and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like you were talking earlier there where you were like, oh, some, some of these coaches, like they'll just shit on systems, but really do you understand like some of the base principles of what we're trying to discuss and analyze here? Like a, a lot of the time I feel like that, that evolution of the coach, like, yeah, you learn these principles, you learn these systems, but then all of a sudden you realize, hang on, there's this whole human side of what actually is occurring through this process and that matters just as much as all of the hard skills that does. And it just like, I feel like it's just evolutionary of coaches and it's something that I've gone through. And that's probably why I shifted my focus a little bit when I went heavy into PRI for two or three mm-hmm. years. And then I sort of came out the other end and I said, all right, that's great. I think it has great application, mm-hmm. but how do I get it to stick with my clients? 
Yeah. Like, how do I get that to land? Yeah. 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 Your, your kind of, I'm going to use the word love, but your love for psychology or like, that's, that's what I sense from, for you is, is your, what you're interested in, like decision-making, how, how people make decisions, how people change their actions and things like that. That's what, that's why you're so interested in the content creation as well, because you're like, it's the same in coaching where if I use a certain word or if I, if I frame something in a certain way, it's going to make someone respond in a different way and make them take action in a different way. It's the exact same for the content. It makes people feel a certain way when you're, when you're making content and when you're, when you're coaching, it's the same thing. It's all the same. Everything's the same. I even view the way in which I manage our staff, the way in which you manage one person, you can't manage all three personalities in that same strategy. Some I can light a fire under and be like, hey, fuck you, let's go. What are we doing? Where's the next step? What, like, blah, blah, blah. But other ones, it's a little bit more, hey, like, wh- where do you think we should go next? How do, you, how do you feel like the next three months is going to look? What should we do? Like, it's, it's the same process. It's just, I, th- I, feel, I just feel like the deeper you get into these sort of things, there's so many parallels across so many separate in, like, industries or, or skill sets or anything that it's, and again, this is another little smaller identity shift that I've had, but I used to be such a biomechanical sort of brain. Everything I, th- I thought, I-, I-, I was under the impression you could change any pain with anything. I could, I could fix anything with a breathing pattern and I could do anything. If you can't squat to depth, I can change it, but it doesn't matter about your injury history or any of this sort of stuff. And then it was actually Barbell Medicine. They started bringing out a lot of their content three or four years ago, and they just started attacking this biomechanical model. And I was like, holy shit, there's this whole other world. And it was a little bit of an identity shift because I came through the Cressy and the Mike Boyle and the Bill, uh, sorry, the Cressy and the Bill Hartman, Mike Robertson sort of mm-hmm. growth and then throw PRI as a flame underneath all of that, heavily biomechanical understanding. But then it sort of evolved into, I think it's true. I think there's merit to it and all of that. And I don't think we can throw biomechanics out of it. And I don't think anyone really is, anyone with half a brain is. But it's how do I marry that and match that to the individual? and it's something that I have gone through. I actually, I, I did a podcast with the Compound Performance Boys. The first half of it was about business just because Kyle and I sort of have a similar sort of growth or not growth, but sort of similar sort of trajectory of sort of where we've, where we've some of the hurdles we've faced, developing personal brand and all that sort of stuff and the biomechanics and then sort of shifting away from it. The first half was all business, but then the second half was all of this sort of discussion of like, I actually have felt that I've shifted my personality because I, I attach my career to me, who I am. It's a massive part of who I am. And having those moments where I start to doubt, oh, hang on, maybe this, this system that I've been running for three years, flat stick and educating people on, maybe I'm shifting away from it a little bit. Maybe I need to move, be more open. And then all of the discussion that we had at the start, just yeah. be transparent. Hey, I've changed my ideas on this. I've changed my... I'm just like using you as a diary right now and just fucking yeah, that's cool. Man. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Look, if you're not changed, if you haven't changed in 12 months, you look back and it's not changed. Like what have you been, what have you been doing? I, I actually just with the content stuff, I was trying to like recycle content over Christmas and I was looking back through my old content and I was like, I can't use that yeah. caption. <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so, but look, that's where I, that's where I was. Okay. Last, well, I have two questions for you. Two quick questions. One, does that mean I need to, do I need to hire a content person? Uh, It's, it's made, I would say you're in a position where you would feel a benefit from it. Yeah. I reckon you would, even though you're so good at, 
Not full-time, not full-time. Nah, my guy does 16 hours a week and he does a couple of YouTube videos. He curates a lot of our Instagram stuff, just schedules things and posts it and all of that sort of stuff. And obviously helps us with like, oh, I don't think that's the right direction. I think we need to just slightly move that way. It's a, it's a very collaborative process between the two of us and we're sort of working it out together. As you said, we don't, as you said earlier, we don't really have the answers. We're just playing around. What sticks? Let's do more of that. Shape our language in this way. Be more of ourselves. All of those sort of strategies. But I, I, I think it would be beneficial. There'd be so many small little things. Upgrading your camera when you're filming a client or something like that. Like, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like it, it could probably help. Okay. But you also crush it with just your, your strategy, which is, as you said, I just film things, take a snippet out of a a client session or whatever mm, i could do so I more know. like it, it, it would be just doing more of that like i heard uh i heard someone a good creator actually asked me earlier a good creator is noah kagan do you know him he's a youtuber yeah. he actually owns AppSumo, which is like a hundred million dollar company in silicon valley Love i think it. but yeah. look at his youtube videos he thinks quite deeply about youtube videos and like the thumbnails and the, the he i listened to a podcast and he put up he said that for his for each thumbnail he does he gets a professional photographer to come in and take or he goes wherever and they take a professional photo of him like with his hands on his head or something and they put the caption then around him and stuff so he, he thinks deeply about it but he said he said in some podcasts like if something works just 10x or 50x it no, and, and, and then just figure out where the point is it's not working anymore, but just absolutely hammer that thing. I'll go back to one thing. We were talking about earlier, we were talking about like playing the game on each of the platforms. YouTube, the unfortunate thing is you have to clickbait. You have to make the thumbnail and the title in some sort of strategy that makes it enticing because mm-hmm. we literally have had, we'd upload something and three hours go past and it's tanked. YouTube gives you a metric of like, where it ranks in your previous 10 uploads, it'd be like sitting at number nine. Like it's a, we'd say that's a shit video. We're always trying to aim for top three. We want top three upload, top three upload. And this thing would be at number nine after like three hours. And it's like, fuck it. Change the title, change the thumbnail, clickbait. We we just be like, clickbait the fuck out of it. Click them in. And then like it switches. And then all of a sudden it just, YouTube just kicks it up and it it spits it in. Like you unfortunately just have to play, but having him there, because he can do all the Photoshop, he can do all of that stuff. He can take a better photo and all of a sudden it looks better. And uh, it definitely matters, like 100%. Mm-hmm. So like those little things, if you really wanted to get into it, the quality that they can produce at and the speed and efficiency they can do it, I think it's just, yeah. But I feel like, again, I feel like you're, you're from my perspective anyway, like I look at some of the shit you're doing and I'm like, man, this is impressive. I just don't have the time. That's, that's it. Yeah. You know, that's it. But maybe that's a priority thing as well. But um, like I am still seeing clients. I am trying to do a membership and fucking everything else as well. So does YouTube understand? Obviously it does, by the way. But so with the, with the thumbnail, it's not that more people are clicking on the thumbnail initially, is it? It's that the YouTube recognizes this is a, like the, the, the algorithm recognizes this is a better thumbnail that more people will click on and then they show it to more people. Or is it just a mix of both? It's called, it's called an impression click-through rate. So you get a percentage. So your thumbnail goes out and what you'll typically see, the response will be initially you'll have a very high impression click-through rate because that's all of your subscribers Mm -hmm. seeing you've uploaded something new. So you might start at like 25%. And what that means is one in four people that has shown this thumbnail and title are clicking on it, Mm -hmm. impression click-through rate. 
And then over time, it, it starts to drop down and drop down and drop down and drop down because your subscribers initially have seen it and responded to it. And then it goes into the actual algorithm, yes. which is, all right, now it's going to be on, we're going to show it to 500 people today and it needs to get past this threshold. Otherwise, your video is dead. It's like literally, your video is done. Yeah, yeah, but then you get into SEO because YouTube is a search engine in and of itself. That's why we really like YouTube content. Mm-hmm. And that's why I will always prioritize more quality on YouTube because it's there forever. Like yeah. we have our YouTube channel, like it's not massive. We've got, I'm looking now, 6,600 subscribers. And we put a, we inve- I currently am investing a lot of time and money resources into building this thing. And it's growing at a far, the fastest rate it ever has currently, which is fantastic. We're seeing that return from a metric standpoint. But our old library of content still pulls in up to 30,000 views per week. Oh, nice. All of our old shit. And we get paid for it. YouTube, you get paid for it. So if you can, if you can build a, a successful thumbnail and title and it when it's searchable. So we've got one now that gets 6,000 views a week, which is how to use a powerlifting belt or something like that, whatever it is. That's what the title is. But because it's in the search engine, think about how many thousands of people per day are typing, how do I use a powerlifting belt? Mm-hmm. Belt, belt for powerlifting. And ours just for whatever reason is second on the list. Mm-hmm. And it just pumps and it makes money for us and it just rolls and it does all that. So it, does, yeah. it definitely matters. Yeah. So there, there is a strategy. But again, Instagram, it doesn't matter because you fucking make a post in two days. It's gone. No one's seeing that thing yeah. again. It and is- some of the reels, some of, I've noticed some of the reels have, have, like I've had put up reels three weeks ago and they're still getting plays. But like, yeah, that's not going to go on forever. But you, I think YouTube will. I think I spoke about that in my, in my social media plan for the year podcast or whatever, where that's our plan for YouTube is just to make it searchable content and for SEO and stuff. Last question, my generic question. I asked everyone else, if you're on a stranded island for a week and you could bring three people with you, no family or like just friends or whatever, but three people like you'd love to learn from. I asked everyone else trying to kind of treat coaches, but you're not going to pick coaches now. So is one of them Mr. Beast? Mr. Beast. Nah, I'd want to go to his, I want, I would, I would love to go to his facility. I think he just spent $12 million on it or whatever is. I would love to go there. Nah, I don't think Mr. Beast would be in the three. If I had three, I'd probably want a comedian there. Yeah. I reckon just for a, just for a laugh. I really enjoy, I enjoy Kevin Hart a lot, but I think right now I would probably pick Chris D'Elia. I think Chris D'Elia is very funny. There's a little bit of murkiness in the last couple of years with him, but I find his comedy very funny and just him as a person, very funny. So I reckon I'll take a comedian with me. Uh, if I had to take, I'd probably take LeBron James because I love LeBron James and I think he's the coach. <laughs> and the I'm going to take his the NBA, the NBA might be worried. Like, Where's no, LeBron? <laughs> he's on an island. He's on an island. I'm doing 90-90s with him. I'm fixing his squat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I think, are we, are we trying to survive on the island or are we just living? We're just you'll be fine. Chilling. You'll be fine. You'll be, you'll be collected. I need to, you know what? You know why I haven't people have said you need to make your, your question more specific. I like how people interpret it because yeah, Graham Morris, Morris said, is there rum on the island? <laughs> that was his first question. And the answer yeah. was yes. 
So, well, is there? If there is, uh, I think I'm I'm happy with LeBron, and maybe LeBron will bring like a six thousand dollar bottle of wine or something. Mm-hmm. Um, one more, I'm gonna put just someone completely random. Maybe like a, I want to put a rock. I'm gonna bring the rock. As well. <laughs> I reckon. That, I reckon that'll be a good time. LeBron and the rock. LeBron, the rock, two fucking mammoths, and then Crystalia and I, and we're just gonna have a laugh. Yeah, man, that <laughs> sounds fun. That sounds fun. All right, brother, where can people find you? Or what do you want to shout out? Melbourne Strength Culture. The the YouTube channel, as we've discussed, is where we put the most effort. Um, that in- includes our recorded podcasts, um, our video recorded podcasts with our little hub, our creative hub. So that would be the crux of it. But just search Google, Instagram, TikTok now. We're popping off slowly, slowly, slowly. But yeah, wherever. Melbourne Strength Culture. Myself personally, j.smith.culture on Instagram. Cool. That's me. And if there's some intern from Ireland or anywhere bar Australia wants to come. Anywhere. And then I'll roll the red carpet out. Yeah, man. And then I'll see you in December for the seminar. Yes, please do. We'll uh we'll definitely house you 100 percent You can have the whole gym. We can probably get 150 people in there if you want. No, fuck. <laughs> Don't put that on me. <laughs> Nice, yeah, nice 30 or 40 people seminar. 30 or 40, easy. Yeah. We'll do six of them. We'll do six of them. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'll spend the whole summer there because it's cold in December yeah, here. Crazy. You make right, bank, bro. though, man. You make bank. Yeah, man. All right. Yeah, man. Thank you very much. <laughs> no worries. Thank Bye-bye. you.